Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Max Freight Train Williams. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It's a very special show for us today, folks. We are examining a wide range of things in um, what is part of a continuing conversation we started in Austin, Texas, uh, some time ago. We're not diving into this alone, folks. We are joined with the man, the myth, the legend, John Rondi Sr., also known as, to many of our listeners, the creator of Johnny Drinks. Sir, thank you for coming on the show today. Oh, come on. This is awesome. I love it. Man, I got to say, like the, 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 the shadow boxing was a good move there. And I like the wrist, uh, whatever you call those, the cuffs, the wrist. I don't well, know. You got something going this on is, there. Yeah. This is my red family. Listen, I go. have uh, the, the, the um, pleasure, luxury of being afforded a lot of swag. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, they, they, I thought that was stuff we all get. How come we didn't uh, get that? That's yeah, I don't know, guys. Listen, <laughs> I, I'm in front of the camera a little more, maybe. That's I don't fair. know. That's it's just fair. the way it works. Well, you're looking good, John. We're glad to have you here today <laughs> to talk Noel. about, uh, uh, like like Ben said, a, a bit of a grab bag episode today, which is great because we're going into a long weekend. Everybody likes a grab bag. Yeah. Well, before we get started, though, let's let's talk about you, John, who you are what jo the Johnny Drinks podcast is and Johnny Drinks in general, how it came to be, and the fact that you've made this thing with your son, which, uh, you know, as a father, it's like one of the coolest things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, you know, unbelievable that I get to share the story, uh, the message, the journey, right? It's, it's just been something that 
came to us. The, the bottom line is my son and I didn't set out to do this, right? We literally filmed a video of me making a cocktail. I made the cocktail. He videoed. It went viral. The rest, as they will say, becomes the history of our journey. Um, because after that first video, that was his first TikTok. So think about this. Takes his camera out, says, I'm going to download the app, downloads the app, videos in the app, me making a cocktail. It goes over 8 million views. Okay. And that next day, he's like, we got to do this again. I'm like, oh, okay, what did we do? So it's pre-COVID, February 2020, make the cocktail, goes viral. Subsequent to that, do other videos. And then the pandemic hits in like April, right? So now we're in, lock, we're in lockdown and everybody's doing what they're doing, of course. And we just expand upon, you know, taking up time and space and not driving each other nuts and, and just having fun. And, and that's how it was born. Um, so you really did. Uh, you have continued to strike a chord with people, not just on TikTok, but on any number of social media platforms, including, as Matt mentioned, the Johnny Drinks podcast. One, one of my favorite parts of the origin story, John, is uh, the way the way you explain it, which is super humble, by the way, man, is, okay, we've, we've made, you make the cocktail, right? And uh, you're, you're making Manhattans. And after after you make the Manhattans, you're, you're basically just doing it because you're all going out to uh, a steakhouse, Del Frisco's. Del Frisco's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so my favorite part of this story is uh, the, the way I've read it in a couple of iterations is that you guys go and you're having dinner and all of a sudden the phone oh, goes yeah. nuts, right? Yeah. So you, yeah, you yeah, really yeah. thought this was just something yeah. entertaining to do for a second. Yeah, yeah, listen, I know, yeah, I gave you the abbreviated version. I'm happy to like now expand a little bit and, and dissect it. But when we were out to dinner, and again, it was my nephews, my brother-in-law, my sons. So it was just guys being dudes, pre-gaming in my basement, make the cocktails. We go out to Del Fresco's and at dinner, Johnny's like, that, that video's doing really well. I'm like, you know, oh, great. <laughs> What do you hundred thousand views? Bad dessert. We're close to a million views. I'm like, great. We get in the car. You, Dad, this thing is going. I'm like, where's it going? Yeah. What do you mean it's going? <laughs> My brother-in-law, who's fifty-eight years old, we're looking at you like, what are they talking about? It's going. And then subsequent next day, next day, traction. It's building. I'm like, wow. Okay, cool. This is fun. Let's let's talk about that revenue streams, right? Like, did you ever think in your wildest dreams that this thing, whatever social media is, could be a viable revenue stream for, I mean, for anybody? <laughs> it's pretty nuts. I didn't right? believe it. Matt, Ben, Noel, if you guys heard what I, I've, I said to everybody the first, let's say, six months into this whole thing, I was like, this isn't real. This is such BS. This is like, you know, killing time, but it's like, you know, what are we doing? I actually made a deal with my son. I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You know, this is cute. This is cute. 
I have a full-time job. In 2020, I'm in the mortgage business. I'm in it 32 years. I am cranked out, busy out of my mind. That It was one of the best years in the mortgage industry, 2020. Everyone's refinancing. Everyone's locked down. Okay, you get you, you might not re- relate to that because you may not had a mortgage or needed a mortgage, but it was one of the best years I ever had. You hit on some things that are really interesting uh, on my end, and I think our listeners will find this fascinating as well. Uh, you said the words, you know, experimental, right? We're expanding, uh, and you also mentioned your extensive experience in in the world of finance in the world of right. mortgages right, i right. saw um i saw a really compelling conversation you had with a colleague regarding um what was it 08 right the, oh yeah yeah yep. uh and for many of us like when this show was first a twinkle in some ill-advised eyes of some kids who were certain they would get fired by the way <laughs> we um <laughs> We, uh, we were, this was something that was on everybody's mind. And I think for a lot of people, we see this cyclical, um, like the same batch of conspiracy theories get thrown around regarding, um, regarding the ideas of crashes or recessions and so on. And what do you think for, for the average person who doesn't have your depth of experience here, how would you respond when people say there are conspiracies afoot in in the world of finance? Yeah, yeah. You know, listen, I think, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist person or advocate of sorts, but, but I believe things. So if you, if you have things that you would bring to light as fact, I want, I want to hear it. I'm listening. I'm still trying to figure out who killed JFK. I'm, I'm, I'm all about, let me hear it because it's cool, right? Um, but the more you hear, then the more you get to kind of deduct for yourself. And that's the nice part about why you guys you know, are even doing what you're doing, right? So when we think about the financial crash of 08, specifically in that conversation, um, everyone was contributing to it. Um, there were and always will be people in the financial world that will take advantage of their position, right? It's like us hanging out. We hang out with each other. We're accountable, excuse me, to each other. Um, We get a little creative with each other. You're foolish if you don't think those people in those, you know, proverbial ivory towers don't do the same thing that they don't talk and they don't learn how to uh, encode so they cover their butts, figure out ways to monetize and make money off oh, of Oh, for sure. I mean, that's, do, right? know, we know that. Anytime we talk about secret societies or uh, kind of clandestine meetings, it usually boils down more to networking events than it does yep. to uh, some sort oh, yeah. of master plan. You know, yep. it's the idea yep. of how can, you know, we be the rising tide that carries all boats as long as you're not trying to eat my lunch, you know, other wealthy uh, influencing person. Yep. And that's who I'm talking yep. to. Yep. Um, yep. So it's a way it is there. It is a conspiracy. But so is business. I mean, like, it's so interesting. The term conspiracy is so loaded, but it really is just like a way of formulating a plan to put 
something into action. <laughs> so, I mean, the idea of a conspiracy isn't always as secretive and clandestine as one might think. It really is just about tactics and strategy and like pushing forth ideas into the world and sort of being those thought leaders, et cetera. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, no doubt. Well, you know, I wonder about about mortgages in general. And I, I, I wonder about uh, buying homes right now. It's a weird time. I was having a conversation with my parents just about how houses were such a long-term investment. At least that's how they viewed them when uh, they were growing up. It feels like there's a push for the short-term, you know, turn around a money, basically flip a house in, you know, months or a year or so. Um, what, where do you see all of that heading when it comes to basically everybody out there listening right now who's worried about being able to buy property at some point and it doesn't feel like a goal that's even achievable? Um, where, where do you see everything going? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what, Matt? It's, it's inevitable that you have to leave your parents. You can't live with them the rest of your life, right? So for the younger people, it'll happen, you know. Whether they kick you out or you just get tired of it, you're gonna, you know, you'll find your own place. The problem right now is there's no inventory. There's just there aren't any homes that um, in 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 any market. If you were to look at the homes that were for sale a year ago, what are available today? It's like eighty percent less. It's crazy what's just evaporated. Let alone the prices that have flattened out. So it's going to come back, and the, the, the person like my son, who's 27, who was looking a year ago, is now just going to be patient because it's going to be a buyer's market at some point, right? Because you, you, can't, um, you can't hold on to that current home that you really should put on the market, and for different reasons, if you're an older person, like maybe your parents – well, something's going to happen, right? Attrition is going to factor in. Um, or you're going to say to your kids, hey, you buy it. I'll sell it to you. I'll hold a note. There's going to be a changeover somewhere. So um, those people who are in this market trying to find a house now, I feel bad for it because there's not a lot of options. And they're chasing after things just to have a bite of the apple. And they don't even know if it's really what they want. You know, everyone wants what they can't have. And then all of a sudden you're making offers on a house that you've compromised so much and you think, well, but at least I got a house. Yeah. And sometimes I, I think a lot of that comes to, as a person who just put off buying a house until, you know, later next year. Um, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, they, I, I think a lot of it comes down to this, um, these sort of cultural mores that are put upon people. Sometimes in shorthand, they're referred to as the American dream. But if you feel this obligation, even if it's not a right fit for you, then you find your reality and what you have been taught should be your reality in conflict. And this, this brings us to a bigger thing. Very interested in your thoughts on this one, John. Okay. Phrasing this carefully, I want to get this right. Do you believe that overall... Western society is moving away from an ownership society to a 
uh, service or subscription society. This is something that we have bandied about on the show before. And when I think of this, I'm not just thinking of, you know, um, like a lot of the investment firms maybe in the U.S. and abroad that have been buying up homes um, or, you know, uh, foreign nationals, representatives of foreign institutions buying homes, big problem in Canada. I'm thinking also of how subscription services are entering the automobile, like BMW recently, you know, uh, has these uh, monthly payments you must make for technology that already exists in the car. Do you think there's something to that? And if so, are people being maybe alarmist or hyperbolic, or is that a valid concern people should have? So listen, I'm going to simplify it. It's, it's rent versus buy, right? It doesn't matter who's, how they're renting it, who's owning it to rent, why they're doing it, Airbnb, VRBO, it's rent versus buy. My son and I just had on our podcast, um, this conversation, rent versus buy. And so I think that, while the American dream or part of what I say is like the, the three pinnacles of one, getting married two owning a home and three, having children may not fit everybody. Those are the three pillars, right? For, for most people. And if you can get one out of the three, great. You get, you go three for three. Fantastic. But I think everyone would love to just get at least you know, a shot at one of those in their lifetime. Renting right now is so attractive because those people who um, are in a position, right, to to control it have, have made it so convenient. They've made it such that now there's these worlds within the world, in the community, and, you know, you can, you can find this at, at, at every demographic, right? So, Matt, your parents are older, mine are older. Everyone's got, hopefully, you know, parents that can still um, enjoy, you know, their, their, their senior years. But they have all these communities now that they're doing everything. I mean, right? Who's not playing pickleball? My father was, you know, 85 years old. He's playing pickleball. I can't even walk. Yeah, that's its own conspiracy pickleball. right there. Look at the pickleball conspiracy. <laughs> I want to, where'd that come from? What do you yeah, mean? You know, it's taking over malls. What the yeah, hell? Is this, anyway, go on. Yeah, but th- no, but you, so th- that's exactly right. Everything has found this um, uh, social aspect greater today than ever before. My son John lives in this complex in Jersey City. And guys, it's like, like just beautiful, beautiful young people in and out, all sorts of demographics, right? And then they have on the roof, they have this pool, and they have all this area, and they hang out. I'm like, gosh, who doesn't want to live here? So that's where, Ben, I think it, it's, it becomes very easy maybe to the subscription mind, you know, mindset. Yeah, I don't want to buy the car. I'll just let me take a, you know, we borrow it here. Let me, let me use it for this purpose then and, and, you know, rent it for the time that you need and when you need it. Right. So, um, but, uh, but I, I, I think that the ultimate goal still is being one of those pillars is, is to buy it, to 
to have it. Well, I, I mean, you know, like I, I recently bought a home and I was terrified to do it for the longest time. I had one in a previous life when I was married, when my kid was really young and we sold that house and I rented ever since. But I did have that kind of FOMO sort of like, you know, fear of like being left behind, left in the dust. I'm like, how come all these friends of mine who are younger than me are buying houses? Like, ah, what's the deal? What am I missing? Uh, and I think that is a danger in and of itself. It was, it wasn't until I was just like, look, I'm going to take a look at some. And I have a, uh, my, my kid's best friend's mom's a realtor. And I looked at like six or seven in one day and I saw a place that I'm sitting in the basement of right now. I'm have a recording studio and I, it's, it's very important to me. I'm like, I do music and I've been shoving all my gear that I've been collecting since I was a teenager into a spare bedroom for years. And I saw this, this space and I was like, think what I could do with this space. It would change my life. It would change my life to be able to have this space, to put all my stuff in, to be creative in my own home. That's what twisted the, the key for me and made me like, now I want it in a way that's not just, I'm sad that I'm being left behind. So I think to, to your point, like it is important to realize like, what do you actually want? What are you going for in your life? Is it smart for you to be able to own a place or is it better or more advantageous to you just to continue to rent? Cause there isn't anything inherently wrong with renting. It was for me, this silly kind of childish FOMO that then was replaced by, okay, no, now I actually want this for a Got real it. reason for my Got life. It. Yep. Yep. Good point. Yeah. That makes sense. Yep. And we'll pause here for a word from our sponsor. Then we'll return with Johnny Drinks. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. 
When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we have returned. Guys, I want to jump back to something we were talking about before. And I'm trying to connect some ideas here to come up with something interesting. Okay, so you've got the show Johnny Drinks. It is just centered on those drinks, even though that's not what the Johnny Drinks podcast is about, right? It's about way more things than that. But the Johnny Drinks persona, the social media presence is about drinks. Smoke we, the glass. We, oh, dude, smoke the smoke, it, baby. You got, uh, what is the thing? Yeah, you sell a smoker, I think, and it is yeah, just awesome. We got kit, to yeah. we got to see Brian Baumgartner do it, yeah. uh, like right next to me. It was yeah. incredible. Yeah. So there's, um, we're talking about revenue streams. We're talking about drinks. I want to get back to prohibition and the times in, in the United States when alcohol became illegal, because I think there's an, there's a, something really interesting there with finding a revenue stream at a time when it was illegal to make money on that thing, but there was a will and there were ways to still make money uh, on that thing. And I just wonder if uh, over your years, because um, are, are you from New York or New Jersey? I'm from New Jersey. New yeah. Jersey. So okay. yep. I just wonder if you had any, um, just, I don't know, just living in that area, talking to people, being in the financial sector, just, I wonder if, You've ever heard stories or anything just when it comes to like the real wealth that was built from prohibition that was underground and then turned into legitimate businesses or something? Yeah, well, you know, listen, there's people that are very resourceful, right? Uh, people who are uh, entrepreneurial and opportunist, regardless of uh, whatever society smashes you in the, in the face with. So, yeah, prohibition the Great Depression, you know, things that as you reflect back in and out of uh, society in times where it got really hard, um, people are going to be creative. I mean, I, I will not say, well, let's talk about the, the mob uh, and get into that, but who who exploited it more than them? <laughs> they, they, although, again, the stereotypes associated with it are well-deserved, you know, they did it. They found a way, right, through prohibition to make a business or businesses. Um, you know, there's the speakeasies. And, and to your, you know, I guess your question about being in this area, there's some still some speakeasies that are original that I've been to. And there's one, there's one down in uh, Atlantic City, New Jersey, that it was so cool just going in there and seeing everything still the way it was and it wasn't that um they tore down and got rid of they got rid of some stuff because some stuff just you know it, it ages out and you can't you know can't keep it but it's so cool and interesting to see how they did survive and how they did facilitate the needs of men and how women played a role in that and then the business models, if you would, of, of, of some of that. So from, from drinking to the socializing and, you know, the, the police that would come in the front 
Mm. Boardwalk Empire shit. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Boardwalk mm-hmm. Empire. Which, which, by the way, I never watched. I don't think I watched maybe, but a couple episodes of Boardwalk Empire. But I, I think, slept on it. I watched a few and then I, I left it. But then I went back and it's good. It, it really yeah. gets interesting in the history. Yeah, yeah. I, I should probably smart. do that. It's smart. Yeah. I mean, for, for your background, I think you dig it. Yeah, it's I it's probably based should. on. It, it, it's based on a lot of historical precedent. We've, we've talked about prohibition in the past, and I, I love the I love what you're describing here, John, because we know that Faulkner was right when he said the past isn't really ever over. I'm paraphrasing, but you know we see we see the echoes of of these things, and and with prohibition. You know, there's so much nasty stuff there that happens. Like people always say, yes, the the mob was doing terrible things while they forget that the U.S. government knowingly poisoned a ton of people, you know, uh, with denatured um, alcohol. We also saw in that short and um, cartoonishly unsuccessful national experiment from 1920 to 1930, that 1933, excuse me, that prohibition just didn't work. And, uh, and as a, like, as a business model for uncle Sam prohibition did not work with alcohol, but, you know, we've had some really interesting conversations with folks that I won't call them conspiracy theorists. I will call them advocates, right? Stakeholders, maybe, uh, about the modern state of prohibition for other substances in the U.S., you know, I mean, it's it's always the money that moves. Revenue uh, stream, man. Policy, like that, uh, right. And so in very divided times in the United States, one of the few issues that all sides of the political aisle could agree on is, oh, we can make money off cannabis. Maybe we should give that a go. Uh, I'm really interested in hearing your opinions on on the idea of prohibition for other substances like should I, and Hey, if you, if you, for some reason want to throw us a curveball and say that you think alcohol should be illegal again, then by all means, <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> but, but Why would I you, say that? <laughs> yeah, but, I know, I know, I know. But what, what do you think about the, um, what do you think about the people who are saying banning um, or current like drug laws are a kind of prohibition in the modern day? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I don't know enough about it, and, and I don't use it. Uh, I'm not a THC, CBD person at all. I, I just don't. My, my children and their friends, it seems like nine out of ten of them all are doing some form of it. Um, but the most that I do is I'll, I'll do the, the CBD cream once in a while on a, you know, my shoulder or my back. Um, but, but I'm really not that, – that's – when you ask those, should, should it be some sort of new prohibition? I, I would, I don't think so. I think that, I think that it's okay that it's um, now brought to light. It does help a lot of people. I think that, you know, the strains of it are dangerous, which I'm learning because again, my family and kids and friends, they all use it in this form of self-medication. And that, that I don't, that I don't really, I think that's a slippery slope. I think that's dangerous. Mm. Well, one um, that alcohol because, is a, is a is a party to yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and I'm absolutely. guzzling caffeine. This is like my second pot. Yep. Monster. Yeah. I mean, yep, even yep. the medication your doctors prescribe, you're still taking yep. it. So you're self medicating. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, but you know what's interesting, Noel, about that, and, and again, I I don't 
I guess this is the part of, of yes, anything as a vice, anything that's abused, anything could be uh, habitually uh, and, and then become an addiction, right? This specific conversation about you know, marijuana, let's say THC and, and, you know, all the other options of gummies and the way you want to enjoy, um, whether it's recreational or for purposes of, you know, medicating. I, I just, I think there's this misnomer that, oh, it's not addicting. That's the problem for me because, but it is addicting, right? There's, there's a strain of it. I agree with it's that. all addicting. So that, so that for me would just be a reason to maybe pump the brakes. It's so, you know, what, what we used to do or what I, my generation did younger here and there, that marijuana is not the same today. No. Not even close. Mm. <laughs> not even close. I, I right, so that's the dangerous part. I, I just think it's interesting, the idea of addiction too, like there's, there's different sides of it, there's different colors of it. You can be addicted to driving a car really fast because it's fun. It doesn't mean that you're physically dependent on driving a car really fast. You just really like doing it. So therefore, you're going to go for a repeat, you know, rinse right. and repeat yeah, because that's something that you enjoy. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, yeah. well, I don't think necessarily marijuana is like – physically addictive. I think people like it and it works for them. And maybe some people like it a little too much and probably use it a little too much. But I do think there is science in that marijuana is not addictive in the same way that heroin or cocaine are addictive. You yeah, know, they I don't, don't know. They, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I wouldn't argue that, but I, w- I say I don't know because I don't know. What I see is I, I'm thinking it is addicting, right? And, and here's why. Every young person that I've gotten close to and this is one of the advantages I have at TikTok dad and now this personality, right? I'm telling you, they bring this to me, which is um, just last, perfect example, just last night, um, had people over. Young guy says to me, hey, would you mind uh, if I go smoke a little bit outside? I'm like, sure, go ahead. Well, I, okay, cool. I later find out that Anxiousness, anxiety, you know, irritability, you know, it just helps me. It helps me sleep, helps my appetite, helps suppress, helps. So, yeah, th- ritual is part. addictive too. Yeah, yeah, it's, right, yeah. right. So, you know, that's the part um, when, again, I say the nine out of 10 people in my world and sphere are, are offering this explanation to why they're doing it. And I'm like, I'm not even looking for it. I'm not asking why you're doing it. I'm not. They're kind of like proactively justifying, which is interesting. So far, there's no prohibition on ads. So guess what? Here they are. We'll be right back. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? 
Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with Johnny Drinks. Guys, I want to jump to a mild addiction maybe that I have that I think a lot of Americans have uh, recently. Fabergé eggs. I, yes. <laughs> no, you monster. No. Get out. Um, watching two highly skilled people absolutely uh, fight each other almost to the death in an octagon or a ring or something like that. Uh, you recently could, because this actually ties back to like Atlantic city and then Vegas and uh, revenue streams, right? You recently spoke with Dana White, president of the UFC and uh, you know, uh, entrepreneur does a whole bunch of things. Um, I, I'm so fascinated by him and the Fertitta brothers and that business and how it's grown Fascinating conversation. If you're interested, go listen to Johnny Drinks podcast and listen to that episode with Dana White. It's really good. Yeah. He yeah. he talks about something in there that I want to ask you about, John. <laughs> um, this new thing he's got called Power Slap, I think that's what it's called. Yeah. That yeah. look, guys, to me, do you guys know what this is? Power slap? Is Have this, you heard of this? Is this like an energy drink or is this no. a move? What are we talking about? <laughs> okay. okay. So you're aware of the UFC, right? Uh, uh MMA fighters, two in a yeah, ring. I, I, I know what I, I know what power slap is. Okay, I just right. want okay. to describe. Surprise! Yeah. No, I don't know. I'm I'm not being. I'm it's not, not I'm, a plot I'm, twist yeah. title. Okay, no, cool. I'll tell it's, you that. It's just okay, a big okay. old slap. I got gotcha. you. That, that okay. Okay. Open okay. Hand. okay. So it's 
two human beings standing across from each other at about arm's length. And literally, you take turns slapping the other person as hard as you possibly can. And it's uh, it's a war of attrition. Whichever person either gets knocked out and, you know. <laughs> so it's, a, it's an event unto itself. It's like a micro event, basically. Like it's, <laughs> it's the world's premier yeah. slap fighting promotion. Okay, <laughs> got it, got it. Wow. Crazy, right? Well, wow. it, just, it just makes me think about, again, social media, right? And we've become so accustomed to like short we videos. Need a gimmick. Yeah, to, man. We need to, a little hook. We get our, our attention can latch onto something for just a moment, then it's got to go away. This feels like the UFC's answer to rather than three rounds, you know, that last a couple minutes each, you get just some slaps and then it's done and you're good to go. I don't know. Just what do you, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, instant gratification. I said to Dana White, you know, uh, I watched the, the the reels and and the shorts, um, not even knowing until we sat down with him, his investment major into this. I didn't know. I didn't know all that, right? I, I just I watched it and like you, oh my god, boom! And then you go to the next video, and then some girls jumping up and down. Then you go to the next video, some guys making a cocktail. So it's like you just keep going, <laughs> right? And and, you know, in, in that conversation, he said that they have more eyeballs on that right now and, and views more than all professional sports put together. That's I so mean, crazy to me. It is, he said, he goes, you have to really um, let that sink in a little bit, the magnitude of how popular it is um, and, and that he's just obviously super excited because he's creating this whole venue now for it. Um, but yeah, to your point, listen to the podcast. You got, you got to hear him dive into it. He's so easy to talk to and he's so good with us. Um, I'm, I'm humbled and, and, and value his friendship now because he's, he likes us and we like him and it's been, you know, three years, um, since I, I first met him. Um, and he's just shared with us what he can and is as real as, what you think you you get with him, you know what you see is what you get. He's that guy. Like he he'll tell you if he doesn't like you, he's gonna tell you. you know? so. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just watching a clip show of like I guess the trailer for the new season of this thing, and it's pretty jaw dropping. I like that oh. they powder their hands up so you get a nice explosion <laughs> yeah. of like chalk dust yeah, every time. And it's it's they they know what they're doing too. There's there's yeah. a couple where you see where you see guys obviously get clocked. Oh yeah, and, and they deep six to the ground. Yeah. But yep. uh, but so like with this this brings us to another thing. Matt brought up the point of so I I often call social media as our show is very very active on it. I have to call social media kind of the dopamine casino, uh, and we know that there because you know like you said it's the instant gratification. Every bite of the brownie is the corner piece right on social media. So the um, the the one thing I wanted to ask is there's been a lot of scuttlebutt, a lot of discourse and debate about social media and its short form social media in particular uh, and possible effects on kids or younger folks in their formative years. What what do you think about that? And I know we're like we're shows that our, our show is OK on social media. Your empire is incredibly um, accomplished there. And I it, to me, Johnny Drinks feels 
smart and wholesome, right? Cool. Um, and that <laughs> is with sincerity. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the, yeah thank you. And, and I, want, I want you to expand upon that because before I answer your question where you're going with it, um, and not to cut you off, but no. tell me, what, what, do you, what do you think our brand is? Tell me what your, your impression is, and then let's finish that thought okay, you have about yeah. the question, and then I'm going to, yeah. For sure. And uh, our answers, all three of our answers may differ here, but for me, um, what I see is this is a cool family. That's what I mean when I say it's wholesome, oh, right? The first okay. thing is, look at this, a family that actually likes hanging out with each other, which a lot of people don't have if we're being completely candid. And then there's also this, what I, my favorite kind of a way to communicate education or to educate people is approachable, entertaining stuff like, hey, we're not necessarily experts, but learn together with us. This is cool. Here's a trick I know. So there's nothing condescending there. And condescension, I think, is a great enemy of education. That's what I would say. Good point. All right. Cool. All right. So, you know, your question around, and thanks for for sharing those thoughts, because that matters. And to answer um where we fit in to society, right? Where this digital playing, you know, playground, TikToks, shorts, all this blast of 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 some of it being yeah, nonsense. just kind of overall, right. like right. Yeah. the the thing that motivates me is I get a chance to educate. I get a chance to be realistic, right? I'm not a professional bartender. I, I'm not a mixologist. I'm a home tender. I'm a father. I'm a, I'm a husband. I don't get everything right. And, you know, it's okay if you point out that I did something differently or not by the textbook, but I don't care because <laughs> the drink still tastes good. My family still loves me, right? And I wake up with a purpose and I go to bed at night putting closure to things. So, there's this continual um, really gift of an opportunity uh, having conversations like this, meeting with young people and talking to old people um, about the same subject matter and knowing whatever small little role I have in social media as it relates to the impressionable younger generation. I'm good with, I'm doing my part. You know, the, the, the misnomer here is, but it's alcohol. You know, you're, you're teaching young people how to drink. I'm I like, didn't well, even think about that. No, okay. I'm not. Yeah. No, and that's the, 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 this is so very, very, again, um, poignant for me. When my son said, we're going to do these videos, we got to keep going. Millions. I'm like, and he says, Johnny drinks. I'm like, why you got to call Johnny drinks? He goes, cause you're John. I'm John. We're Johnny, and we're drinking. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, whatever. I didn't like the name. I, I got to be, I, I still, to this day, and I said to him, can you find another name? Like, why is it got to be Johnny Drinks? P.S., the reason I didn't like it is because of the association of me being a drinker. I'm not a big drinker. I drink more now than I ever did. And that's also on one of our podcasts. If you wait, my son had my wife on as a guest 
No, it's it's Mama Rondi, and and that was a good episode for uh, for a lot of reasons. Actually, she's second, I think, in views behind Dana White. <laughs> so she's got it. That's right, he's got like thirty thousand views on the YouTube pod, and then she's got like two and a half thousand, two point five. Um, but but anyway, my point is, you know, we talk about that in that episode that I didn't drink in high school, I didn't drink in college. I started to drink and experiment with drinking when I um, really joined a country club here that I play golf at. So that was like 20 years ago. So when my son says, we're going to be Johnny Drinks, I'm like, find another name, right? Because I, I was very, I'm in the, the finance world. I was always concerned about image. It takes you, it takes you a lifetime to build and create your image and takes maybe seconds to lose it, your reputation. It, it, it can go like that if you, you do something wrong. Um, so I'm really mindful of what Johnny Drinks brings to especially the younger people. Um, so any opportunity I get to drop some knowledge, how to shine a shoe, how to make a tie, how to make your bed, how to, how to, how to, how to jumpstart your car, you know, what, whatever it is, I, I, I relish it. I love that, man, because we're, we're old school, um, back before the, the, the idea of podcasts became a thing. Uh, we started off at a company called how stuff works and it was just the, the, the perfect job for Dorks. people like, yeah, for people <laughs> who start Dorks. sentences with actually at parties, you know, uh, and, yeah. and people who know too much weird trivia. So I, you know, the idea we've always had is the world is both understandable and worth understanding. So I, I that's really meaningful. I'm sorry. I know I should be asking a question, but I'm just, no, now it's I'm just cool. hype it's good, manning man. your we're answer. Talking. That's <laughs> awesome. This is great. All right. So we're, yeah. we're going to, we are going to take a huge left turn guys. You ready for this? What is it? Okay, John, you grew up in Jersey. Are you still, do you still live in New Jersey? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you seen the Jersey Devil? Ooh. Um, well, well, there's, when you say that's so funny, the Jersey Devil, no, I haven't seen the, you know, uh, <laughs> the, the Jersey yeah, Devil down in wherever the hell. You, you probably were exposed to more uh, talk about it than, than we would have. Yeah, been. yeah, yeah. Um, but... <laughs> What crosses my mind when you say that is the New Jersey Devils mascot, the Jersey Devil. So I yeah, see yeah. him at the Prudential Center, any hockey game. But uh, <laughs> but no, I haven't been uh, afforded the uh, the luxury of seeing a Jersey Devil. So. Let's let's go to it. Let's do. Uh, there's a thing that uh, we like to do, and our fellow conspiracy realists in the audience always love to play this game with guests uh, of note like yourself, sir. Uh, we typically. About nine times out of 10, when we're in a, an awesome conversation like this, uh, our guest will say, you know, I'm not, uh, I don't consider myself like a conspiracy person. And and most people do and honestly should not. Uh, so what we do find is that pretty much 10 times out of 10, there's something that people find some sand to. And that's why we like to play a little round robin conspiracy uh true or yeah. false quiz so we're gonna, yeah we're gonna fire some stuff at, at you just yes or no what do you think um uh let's go with the one you started with which is part of why we play this day what what do you think about the jfk assassination oh <laughs> i think there were many 
organizations involved. I don't think any one of them could have pulled it off without the help of another. Right? Okay. CIA, the mafia. I mean, we know, I, we know who the Patsy was. I mean, come on. It, it, the, the ballistics and tests and all that stuff, I think, prove it's almost impossible for Lee Harvey Oswald in the school book depository out the window in a moving vehicle. At the, I, I'm sorry. I don't think that's real, right? I don't think that he did that on his own. Um, the Zapruder film, the angles, the sounds that people heard on the, you know, on the grassy knoll, the, the lawn. And, come on. So, so that's it's a shame. That, it's a shame that all the, what, what happened to all the, the archives of documents and, you know, the, the medical examiner. Yeah, such a shame. All that stuff. Huh, yeah. such a shame. Those, Somehow. Those, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy yeah. how Lee Harvey Oswald on one day became a much better marksman than he had been at Correct. any other moment for the yeah. the, the entirety yeah. of his life. Oh, he yeah, made yeah. that bullet yeah. split in half. That's a superpower. <laughs> yeah, man. man. What a guy. And let's not forget our friend Jack Ruby that, uh, That's yeah, how'd that work? How'd he... Yeah, come on in, bud. <laughs> that yeah, out. man, that's actually the where angle. was the where was the metal detectors then, guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so man. yeah, I don't know. That's that's the uh, that's one of my favorite ones. I, I've actually been to the school book depository just as and I I was there. I was like, wow, this this is almost. I don't know how he could have did this. So pretty cool. All right, well, let's go. Let's go to. Uh, one that's huge. It's like big picture. And I don't want to go religious with this, John. So let's steer clear from religion, just more philosophical. Okay. Um, what happens when we die? When We're we just die. throwing you the softballs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah it's okay. <laughs> it's just yeah, in your, in, we, in where yeah. you are right now. Like, where do you think? Well, when we die, um, life is over. And, you know, your body, putting religion aside, your soul, you go back to earth. It's the recycling process. So physically, things become what they need to be. Spiritually, I believe I'm going to heaven. Um, and I, I think that everyone has their own version of that. Well, it is interesting how, like, I mean, every every kind of religious ideology is describing something that is, you know, somewhat understandable without yeah. religion. You know what I mean? Right. You can like, yeah. if we look at it all as like energy transfer, you know, let's just look at it. The most basic science can not science fiction yeah. is science way. Like everything energy has to go somewhere. Whatever yeah. is in us that makes us, you know, what we are is some form of energy. Um, whether that dissipates back into, you know, in the form of heat, for example, or just in the form of like, it goes back into the earth. We know that our bodies, uh, if, you know, not completely, completely embalmed and put in a weird casket. Okay, that's I'm letting my own biases show there. You know, go back to the earth and could conceivably become part of that cycle of like decay and 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 creation that is life, you know, and I think that's cool. And it's a little annoying to me. They make it really hard to just do that naturally and then you have to get like special permission and all this stuff. I think embalming <laughs> is kind yeah. of ghoulish, you know, yeah. and it's sort of yeah. counter to this whole thing. But um, whatever a soul is, you know, it's some form of energy and I think it dissipates and and if there are you know traces of things whether it be like memories or the idea of hauntings i think that's just remnants of energy that kind of you know fill up a place where a lot of things have happened a lot of people have passed for example sure yeah like the um the the idea of energy is still 
I mean, there are several forms of energy that are still not understood by modern science. I, I think for, um, I want to be careful. I don't want to just talk about my personal beliefs here, but it, maybe a good analogy would be a song. You hear a song that you really enjoy and uh, the notes in there, the E sharp or what have you, they, they, the concept of them does not disappear. You know, so there's, there's a, there's a, there's an interesting thing there. Um, if we took it more, um, more stuff they want you to know, picking up on, on what you were saying, Noel, however we define that kind of stuff, some sort of persistence of energy, if such exists, um, have you, do you feel like you've ever had something that might be considered a paranormal encounter, like a vision of a ghost or some kind of entity that, uh, that, at least you couldn't explain. So, no. Oh, yes. Mm, maybe. Uh, here's why. Sounds like a yes. So here's why. Here's why. All right, all right. Personally, firsthand, my eyeballs, uh, my body, you know, movements, and, and no. But my wife and my friends, yes. So through them, I believe that. I believe that those things exist. My, my, my wife and my friend are certain, and they've given specific examples um, and times where it, it's occurred. So I, I'm, I'm again, I, I'm an easy guy to kind of sell to, right? I said it earlier, like give me some facts, I'll listen, and give me some. So I believe them, and so why, why do I just? I'm not going to discount that at all. There's there's all sorts of energy forms out there. It's like, you you know, it's it's similar to the argument. I mean, this isn't perfect, but it's similar to saying, I've never uh, been to Australia, but but I know, pe- like, I trust the people who have, right? Yeah, yeah. But does the water go the opposite way? You know, it's one Ever? of, it's on my bucket list, man. Does I'm going to be, I'm going to be in the plane. Know. Yeah, I I'm going to be in the plane when we cross yeah. over. I'm going to yeah. flush and yeah. yeah, we'll figure it out. I've heard what, people what, say that's not true. That's, what, a, that's foul. And what, like, what if oh. you flush right when you're getting to the crossover point? Does that's what tear? I'm saying. That's Does it rip a hole in time space? I'll be going over like, what the happens, man? flushing. Mm-hmm. The water just goes just there, there. there it goes. Yeah, it's the <laughs> yeah. turning point. Literally um, the turn. Mm. Okay, while we're on the paradigm, well, one more. Uh, this is a quick one. Um, extraterrestrials. Visiting Earth, however defined? Yes, no. I'm thinking. I'm thinking Area 51. I'm thinking. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. That's a tough one for me. I, 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 again, I would say yes, there is, but I'm not gonna go talking about it or go intently looking for it and 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 listening to. If again, you bring someone in front of me that can give me some information, maybe factual and, and substantial. Sure, I want to hear about it. So I won't ever say no. I won't say never. Um, Show me the alien, says John. Uh, well, yeah, so like get him on the call. I mean, I don't want just a, a lump of a pile of mashed potatoes that you form into, you know, this this extra, you know, thing that you believe is, uh, you know, from the universe. Right? Oh, yeah, no, he busted us. Yeah, it is a pile of mashed potatoes <laughs> that we've been using. Uh, I, I got one last one. I, I promise. Uh, okay, so you've had all the. Ex- this experience in the financial sector and you've, you've dealt with, you know, you yourself are a very important person in that world and you've dealt with a lot of important people in that world. There is often a, this conception that 
the most wealthy and powerful people in the world do work together and they have they get in these groups like we talked about like the Illuminati and there's a real fear maybe of that or maybe a fascination with that concept in the public um just i i i mean if you were a part of the Illuminati you couldn't tell us John and that's fine but what i mean is like ha, do you ever oh Okay. Uh, did we got that guys? No, I'm just, <laughs> but, but like, have you, um, you talked about country club often. I think about country clubs of the world as being the closest thing to like an Illuminati because it's just people who, you know, are get together and hang out and they're often mm-hmm. influential people. Yeah. Um, yeah. do you like, have you seen anything like that where it's just like, wow, this feels a little off or does it, what do you, what do you think? Well, I think so the word country club, has this stereotype. Every time I say country club, I think, I think it's blue bloods with scarves and mm-hmm. mucking it up and hey, no. <laughs> if you saw the guys I hang around with at my country club, first of all, you wouldn't believe it. You'd be like, <laughs> These guys are having way too much fun and it doesn't, it just doesn't add up. The, 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 the optics of it just don't add up because it's just a group of, of guys, self, my, in my case, self-made guys. These aren't, this is not generational wealth that's handed down. And, you know, I didn't grow up in a country club. Uh, uh, my father, blue collar, worked 30 years at American Airlines, made, made $50,000, I think at his highest point, right? His highest income may have been $60,000. Point is, this is just a group of guys and found this convenience in our backyard, in our sandbox here in the town and the community we live in. Um, and when I tell you, um, and I'm going to kind of, I don't know if I'm getting off subject here, but so that country club, you can belong to a country club for $5,000. Okay. That's a lot of money, but it's not like it's $500,000 for the, only the affluent, wealthy, wealthy, wealthy. Okay. So, um, to back to your kind of your question, Matt is you know so here we are a group of guys, um, and there's a lot of multiples and layers of these people that are just using this place as their their sandbox and you know a place to recreationally either have dinner or you know play golf or in my case they play paddle they play pickle they play tennis I mean it's just a, a really a great location, um, and when you you can hang with somebody for an extended period of time. It's like anything else. Well, what do you do for a living? What do you do for a living? Oh, you, you're a landscaper. Great. I want to do a patio. Will you help me? Sure. Let's get that guy. He does mason work. Let's get this guy. That's how it works. And that's the way it works in every layer and decibel as you go higher, higher, higher through where you want to go. You want to go to the government. You want to go to Wall Street. You want to go. That's the way it is in the world. So, yeah, I, I mean... It's just a shame if um, it gets out of control and people abuse it. And but that's American greed for you too. That's a whole other, you know, conversation. Okay, John, we're gonna we're gonna hit you with one that's uh, uh, not a yes or no question. Really, here it is. Did you know that there is a genuine conspiracy about glitter, like arts and crafts glitter? I know the I know the bedazzle craze. You can bedazzle me. You know, <laughs> about glitter, though. Well, uh, 
a while back, we found out that there's a genuine, like we find conspiracies, actual ones all throughout the world, very different from the theories. And a while back, we learned that there is a massive conspiracy in the world of glitter. And, and Noel, do you want to, you want to kick the facts? Oh yeah. It's one of our favorites. I mean, just the idea that, you know, who's buying all the glitter. There's like a finite number of plants, let's call them, or manufacturing interests that their job is to create different colors of glitter. This is like a thing. But um, they obviously are selling it to companies like Crayola that might make slime making kits or whatever, you know, or Elmer's rather making these like glitter slime and whatever arts and crafts of it all. But their top, I think, maybe two, uh, you know, um, I guess customers, let's call them clients, are secret are um, very purposefully obscured and these companies when you speak to like a rep of like some of the largest glitter manufacturers they won't tell you who these customers are um, so of course you know <laughs> in a vacuum of information there you go. yeah this stuff kind of thrives you know the speculation in the speculation. absence of transparency you guys know where the glitter thrives. most of the glitter is manufactured in Jersey Jersey <laughs> in Jersey of course the sparkliest <laughs> place John knows John knows <laughs> he knows he made a face but you know and in looking into this we discovered that there are a couple of options and the most likely uh, it is something to do with military um, and uh, something a concept called microtagants that's basically like uh, if you use a certain brand of taser when you deploy that taser it will leave behind these little traces um, that are basically like kind of tiny cuts of plastic you can maybe call it more confetti than glitter but it still comes from the same kind of operation um, that way you can figure out what the it's sort of like you know rifling on a gun barrel so you can kind of do forensics to figure out where the bullet came from so you can solve the crime. Only this is like solving the, the Taze crime. Um, so yeah. there's, there's a reason... Uh, bringing this up as, you know, as Matt said, this is in Jersey. And uh, John, we know you're very busy, but we'd like to put you on the case. You know, in the country club of this podcast, we're hanging out and we're just, we're just four guys. And one of us happens to be from Jersey. So we're saying, Hey man, I got to find out. (laughs) Yeah. Will you be on the case? We're kidding. This, I have one, uh, I have one real last question. It is a yes or no question. Did we go to the moon? Yes. Easy. Wait, you're not asking me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Easy. The lighting, the angle's we'll, not quite right. We yeah. faked the footage of the moon landing, but for budget purposes, it was cheaper to go to the moon and fake it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So that's that's yes. how it works. Um, John, thank you so much uh, for yeah, coming on great. the show today. Yeah. Uh, this is, like we said at the top, this is a continuing conversation that started in Texas, and uh, we're going to continue it. Uh, as we're going to continue it in the future, very much hopefully. Everybody check out the Johnny Drinks podcast. You already know about them on social media. There it is. Uh, Look at that. <laughs> this uh, is a corn. Yeah, I just got these. This is a cornhole beanbag. I just have wild. a cornhole set I made. <laughs> nice. You can also uh, learn more on johnnydrinks.com. Uh, you can check out. There's a, uh, we're talking about the origin story. There's an interview I quite liked on vinepair.com that talks a little bit about oh, wow. that legendary first video. Oh, old, that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do check it out and uh, tell us how the stakes are, folks, over there at Del Frisco. Uh, John, where can people uh, learn? In addition, where can people learn more about you guys, your work, your upcoming projects, and so on? I think the podcast is the best way because it's just long form like this. We get to talk about it. Um, 
and and the other stuff is just entertainment, right? It's the short little bursts, uh, like you said, the uh, you know, instant gratification of the of the TikToks and the YouTube's a little longer. But yeah, I, listen, I appreciate you guys. This was excellent. I'd love to do it again. I'm going to find out what I can about glitter, and I'm going to um, just continue. Um, maybe I could do a, a drink with glitter. I don't know. No, no, like, I don't know. Just I don't know. Maybe something will pop out of it. I don't know. Well, hey, we we missed uh, seeing your son John and Uncle Steve. We're yeah. you know we missed seeing yeah. those guys. So we'll get something. Well, thank you. I'll pass that along. See, look at that. You know what I love about this uh, about this conspiracy quiz we do at the end, you guys. No matter who it is, every time there's at least one thing, right? Where they they don't don't buy the official narrative. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I am a little saddened we didn't get to talk to Johnny, I guess John's son, for this episode, or Uncle Steve that we met a little Uncle while Steve. back, bro. <laughs> Um, but it was great to talk with John and just to get a little bit of his backstory and hear his take on things. I think just his, you know, his knowledge in the financial sector and just the experience he's had there was really revealing, uh, hopefully for all of us. Yeah. And some of the stuff he has conveyed may indeed be prescient in some upcoming adventures of stuff. They don't want you to know, especially the, the financial aspects and, uh, I don't know. You know what we should do? Let's just tell everybody how to get in contact with us. If you know what really went down with the JFK assassination and you have been holding off because you just haven't found the right people to talk with about it, we can't wait to hear from you. We try to be easy to find online, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. We've got a pretty awesome YouTube channel still. Um, let's see, that's Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram, Conspiracy Stuff on YouTube. And hey, if you listen to our earlier episodes on big data and you don't sip the social meads, never fear, you can call us directly on our handy telephone number. Yes, our phone number is 1-833-STDWYTK. If you choose to call in, we highly recommend you put that number in your phone as a contact, just in case the shadow lurks back. I don't know. Just in case you get a call back from the number, you'll see and you'll know that it's us. When you do call in, because you're going to give yourself a cool nickname, not your government name, you've got three minutes, please let us know in that message if we can use your name and message on the air. And that's really that's really it. If you want to send more that can fit in that three-minute message, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, 
This is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.